You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey, you guys, this is Rick Hadrava with another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Listen, I'm so glad, as always, that you took the time to be on this podcast with us or listening to this podcast, I might say, in time. That is a very interesting thing. And today's guest, Elizabeth Grace Saunders, is a time management coach. And as I prepared for this, I've got to admit to you that You know, I think of time as the ultimate commodity. And for years, I've studied time management in an effort to try to get more done. You know, sometimes that was just having more free time for myself, uh, but to help me be more successful, more efficient, whatever time management means to you. And, you know, I've looked at a variety of tools and techniques in my pursuit of doing time management better. And and I have to be honest with you, as I thought about this, you know, I've implemented so many different things and tried so many things. And while I think I've done a pretty good job, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that it's still an issue for me. And so I think if you're like me, uh, you'll get a lot out of our conversation today. And just a little intro, Elizabeth Grace Saunders is a time management coach, as I talked about, but she focuses on empowering individuals who feel guilty overwhelmed and frustrated, helping them to feel more peaceful, confident, and more accomplished. Boy, that sounds pretty good. She was named one of the top 30 time management professionals. McGraw-Hill published her first book, The Three Secrets to Effective Time Investment. Harvard Business Review published her second book, How to Invest Your Time Like Money. And Faith Words published her third book, Divine Time Management. Elizabeth contributes to Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and has appeared on CBS, ABC, NBC, and Fox. You know, I'm so honored to bring to the studios today Elizabeth Grace Saunders. Elizabeth, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, so time management, kind of an interesting thing. How did you get yourself to this point? What's been your entrepreneurial journey down this time management road? Absolutely. I'd be happy to share. So I was definitely an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I grew up in a family where my dad worked in the corporate world, and I never really thought I would want to own a business. In fact, I thought that sounded like a horrible idea. Um, but little did I know that I would, I would become an entrepreneur. And what happened initially is that I was working in magazine journalism, and I had a job that was um, not a good fit for me at all. And I would come home crying because it was just not going well, which was very unusual. I did very well in school and very well in all my jobs. So this was an anomaly. And I was praying a lot about it. And I felt like God told me that I should apply for new jobs and then resign on my one year anniversary, regardless of whether I got a new job. And so I applied for a bunch of jobs. I got seven interviews set up in two weeks, did all these interviews, resigned from my job, and didn't get any of the jobs I interviewed for. And I was like, uh-oh, that is not how I thought this was <laughs> uh, So 
kept looking for jobs, but jobs didn't so much come to me, but a bunch of freelance work from my whole network. So I started doing freelance work while I was waiting to get a job. And I was actually at a party uh, in October. I had resigned in August and talking about, I wasn't sure what to do. And this woman, I'd never met her before. She was just at this party, said, Elizabeth, you love what you're doing. You love who you're working with. And it's working. You're getting contracts at the top national magazines in the country without trying. Maybe you should start a business. And I was like, huh, okay. And that was a Saturday. And on Monday, I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur. So um, that was the start (laughs) of my business in October of 2005. And I have been a full-time entrepreneur ever since. And how I transitioned from that to time management coaching is when I started out, it was an accident. So I really did not have intention around my hours or my structure or anything. I was just grateful to be able to make a living. And I would work on nights. I would work on the weekends. Pretty much I felt guilty whenever I wasn't working or sleeping or with people. And I was okay with that for a couple of years, but by 2007, I just kind of had enough. I I felt like I don't care if I seem really successful and working with all these magazines, sleep, eat, and work. Like, I just do not feel successful. And so I started to figure out how to balance out my time to not work at night, not work on the weekends, and, and really have more boundaries. And it was really hard at first, but I did accomplish it. And then my entrepreneur friends were like, this is amazing. You should totally help other people with these challenges. So they actually came up with the idea. And that's how I started time management coaching, which I started in 2009, a very small part of my business. And now um, over the years has grown into the main thing that I do. It's, it's very interesting. And, and thank you for sharing. You know, what? when I listened to you, what question came to my mind is, are we going about time management all wrong? Uh, because you, you you said something like you you took a look and said this is what I want right from my time management, and then you put you applied the business to that model. Is that correct? Correct. So I I decided what I wanted in terms of my hours, and then I found a way to make my business work within those hours instead of molding myself to what I thought my hour or business required of me. And, and do you find um, that people do that the opposite way? Like they look at what their business is doing and then they try to try to overlay some kind of time management on top. Is that where everybody gets stuck? Well, I think, I mean, there's a couple different elements. So I think one is that you have to believe it's possible. A lot of entrepreneurs just have this false belief that you just can't be balanced. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And I used to feel that way too. I'm an entrepreneur. You don't understand. You're never really off. You just have to work. You just have to hustle. You know, you just have to work 24 seven. That's just how it is. And that's not true. That's really not true. But that's how people think. So I think the first thing is like, if you have the false belief that it's not even possible to be balanced, you're not going to because you're not going to make the choices and figure things out to make it happen. Um, And then I think the second thing is people just don't think they can have what they want. And so even, for example, with coaching, I generally work about 9 or 9.30 to 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday. And I don't start coaching calls typically until about 10. I like to have the beginning of my day for getting organized, answering emails, all of that. And that's just how I structure my business. 
And a lot of coaches think, oh, well, I need to work really early hours or I need to work at night or I need to work on the weekend. And they just assume that people won't find ways to make a normal schedule work. And so they don't even track. And what I found after over 11 years is that absolutely people can find a time to talk to you during the day and you don't need to drive yourself crazy working weird sort of hours. So I think it's, it's a lot of limiting beliefs around what is possible with your business, what's possible as an entrepreneur that I think is actually the biggest thing holding people back. And when you realize that you actually have a lot more freedom than you thought to set boundaries and to create a business and life you love, then you're a huge step in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that I find entrepreneurs, business owners that will sometimes, you know, they have so many different fires coming at them that they can't even take an hour to be a part of something to help their business or, you know, something. I love the four quadrants that Stephen Covey put out, right? It's, you know, as business owners, we have to focus on those things that are maybe not important right now, but they're urgent in what we need to do. Mm-hmm. But we we get so used to the fire drill, right? One after the other. And uh, I mean, you've seen this. Is it a prevalent thing for business owners in your experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, business owners and then also just employees too, where because there's no planning, because there's no foresight, not only do you have fires that are unavoidable, but you create your fires because you didn't even realize that a huge presentation was coming up till 10 p.m. the night before. So then all of a sudden you're working crazy late or up super early, or you didn't call and check on something before the last minute. And then all of a sudden there has to be some rush delivery. So I, I do believe a lot of people are, are living in fire drill mode because they're not using foresight. They're not doing the proactive things they could do before to make things happen. Or another reason why that can happen is they're just not teaching people how to treat them. So if you teach your clients or you teach your employees that's okay to bring things on you last minute at any time, then that is what they'll do. Um, Versus if you teach them that they need to give you advance warning, then that's what they'll do. Um, So for example, with my coaching clients, typically most people schedule at least a week in advance. And so I've got my agenda. I know what's going on. That doesn't mean that there aren't sometimes some people that schedule more closely to the time of their call or there there aren't some things that come up. But I'm not the kind of business where my clients can call me anytime or they can like schedule a day of and I just move everything around. Like they need to know I have certain boundaries and that those are respected. You know, that that's a it's another good point because I think business owners who are directly connected with their customers or clients feel feel a need to be accessible 24/7 as a value add, but that might be wrong, right? Like having those guardrails might actually make you more valuable mm-hmm. um with with a discipline. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean it does depend on the business. There's certain sorts of businesses where like they truly are 24-7 businesses. So if we're talking about like hospitals, international shipping, there, I mean, I'm not invalidating that there are definitely certain businesses where at least maybe not you, but someone needs to be available around the clock. But most businesses, that's just not true. It's 
fine for you to get back to them the next business day. It's fine for you to get back to them in a few hours. And I do think that people respect you more when they recognize that you are not always available. And I don't create like artificial boundaries or something or like be weird about that, but it's not unusual to not be able to schedule with me for a week that my schedule is booked up and people have to wait a week or even more if they're a new client to pick time. And I have not found that to be a problem. Like sometimes some people are like, oh, well, someone's interested. You got to talk to them right now today or else you're going to lose them and they're going to lose interest. It's like, no, like if they want you badly enough and they want to work with you, they will schedule a week out, two weeks out, whatever it takes. And we'll talk to you then. And honestly, that's how they know you're good because people that are good are not always available. I really am booked like throughout the day and throughout the (laughs) week. And I have people working with me. If I didn't have any coaching clients, sure, you could schedule this afternoon. But would you really want that kind of coach that their schedule was that empty? You could reach them at any time. Probably not. Well, that that begs a question. This is great, but I want to go back because, you know, this is the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast, and we want to encourage entrepreneurs of all ages. But, you know, here you are in a field that you didn't think anything about, uh, and some friends kind of nod, you know, nudged you to do this. When did you, when were you validated that what you were doing, like, was there a point in, in when you started this business that you're like, you know what, this thing really has some legs to it, you know, because you've obviously written three books, you know, so, so where, was there a point that, that you knew that this was something for you? Well, I mean, there definitely was an interest from the beginning. And I started out when I was first developing my coaching program, working with like other entrepreneur friends or family as, as coaching clients. And just getting my system figured out because I was developing this whole field of time management coaching and not really anyone else was doing much of it at that time. So just people's interest and enthusiasm for working with me was a good first step. I think in terms of it having legs, it took, I would say it took like probably about a year and a half to two years before I was getting consistently getting more new clients. And that was more, it wasn't so much that people didn't need me, but there was a few factors. So one is I was completely wrong about my target audience. I thought that my target audience would be women business owners because I was a female entrepreneur there at that time, um, which was Oh, that makes me feel old to say, but 15 years <laughs> ago, uh, <laughs> um, I guess 2009 is a little less time than that, 11 years ago, but 15 years ago is when I started my business. There weren't as many female entrepreneurs. And so I, that was a unique thing about me. And so anyway, me and my friends were like, oh my gosh, yes, you're definitely going to have female business owners will be your, your target audience. I was completely wrong. Even with a website that had the stock color of pink and all over the place was saying like women business owners, I still had men reaching out to me like, uh, would you be willing to work with me too? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, and I was finding that I was attracting a lot of people that were actually employees of businesses. So my long story short, I was totally wrong about that. So the first year and a half was 
wasn't so much that I didn't think people were interested, but figuring out who was interested and would pay. And it turns out they were primarily employees of companies, not entrepreneurs. And that my clientele was about half men and half women. So that was a learning experience. And then what I really needed to do was figure figure out how to reach my audience and then to also figure out my sales process. So what packages I was offering and how I was selling things in a way that was effective. So I really feel like it took about a year and a half, two years before that was clicking along and I was really getting more coaching clients. And during that time, my income was still primarily from the journalism work that I had been doing before and marketing work with my first company that was really supporting my business development exploration of my coaching business. Excellent. Well, I love it because you're teaching, I think, valuable pieces of information and and you've got a program, but you're an entrepreneur, you know, and you said reluctantly, but there you are 15 years later, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so Elizabeth, let's share some some thoughts. We're in some pretty unusual times, and you know, stress I think changes. Even if you're you're the most disciplined person, and time management is right in there. When you're under stress, it's awfully easy to get out of your habits. Mm-hmm. How do you what advice What advice would you have for our listeners? you know, who, who maybe they're successful with their time management, um, but struggling a little bit, or, or they're like me, and I'm kind of in the middle, you know, I've got some things in, in place, but sometimes I, I'm easily distracted, we'll say. What, what, would you, what would you say to our audience? Yeah, so I've got, I've got a few things. I mean, one is, especially with all that's happened in the past few months, and we're recording this in summer of 2020, um, it has been remarkably stressful. And I I would even say traumatizing. I think that's a fair assessment of the situation on very many levels. And I would say to varying degrees, we're all suffering from trauma and some sort of like PTSD. So first of all, just like be compassionate with yourself. This is really hard. And it's getting better, but it's still uncertain. And there's still like a lot of like vulnerability and anxiety around what's been going on. And that does impact our brain and our ability to focus. And it's just at a biological level, our brains are wired to help us survive. And so if there are things we believe in our atmosphere are unsafe, then naturally will be more distracted because it's our bodies and our minds ways of being like, I need to be scanning the surroundings to make sure that I am safe. Um, so don't be mad at yourself that you feel that way or, or that it's been harder because it, it just is. Um, number two, I would say really do things to reduce your stress. So limit how much news you're watching. When things got started getting crazy in March, April, like I'm usually not much of a news person and not much of a social media person. And my consumption of those went up a lot simply because things were changing so rapidly and so confusing. And it was like a very turbulent time. And I realized I really needed to reduce input from those areas because they were just making me crazy with things that I had no control over and couldn't do anything about. And um, I needed to focus in more on the things that reduce stress, like exercise or being like being outside or connecting with people or whatever, whatever that looks like. So 
number one, have self-compassion. Number two, do those things that reduce stress and take out those things that create stress. Um, number three, you are going to have to be a lot more disciplined about giving your brain directions about how to handle things. Um, so what I mean by that is, for example, like let's say morning routines. I'm someone that had a very established morning routine, like down to the minute in terms of when I get up, when I do my Bible study, when I start getting ready, when I go to the Y, like when I am in my car to go to the Y, when I swim, all that good stuff. Well, that got completely blown up. Um, and because of various um, continuous changes over the last three months, like I kept having to do and redo my morning routine. Right now it's stabilized, um, but it will probably change again soon as more and more things are opening. So before, because it was so established, I could just know exactly what to do with my morning routine. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to have it write it written down. It was automatic. When I was going through all these changes, I needed to be a lot more intentional. So the night before, I would write down, when are you getting up? When are you doing this? When are you doing that? When are you moving on to the next thing? And just like literally wrote down each step of what I was going to be doing to start my day because it was not ingrained and it had all changed. Um, and then the same thing is true throughout your day. I was already doing this even pre all this Corona crazy. Um, but write down your daily plan, be super clear what you're focused on, what you want to accomplish and give yourself something positive that you can take action on. And when you find yourself feeling distracted or having trouble focusing, you can do a few things. I mean, it could be time to take a break, like go take a walk, get a glass of water, do what you need to do. Um, it could be that you're better off doing Pomodoros, which basically means 25 minutes of focus work and then five minutes of taking a break, and then back to 25 minutes of focus work, five minutes of taking a break. And then a third thing that can be helpful is actually fine in terms of focusing is actually music. Um, so it depends what kind of work I'm doing, but in some cases I just find having the right music in the background. Um, for me, I attach my uh, computer sound to a Bluetooth speaker and actually have it positioned behind me. I find that music coming from my computer towards my face is very distracting, but behind me is better. And just like, I find that that helps with, with focus. And there are tools, like there's a tool called focus at will that also is specifically around music and sound and, and getting you to focus better. That's excellent. It, it's funny you say that because um, I like listening to the blues um, in my office when I'm working. So I'm curious, what is there a special kind of music that you like, Elizabeth? Yeah, well, I love worship music. So I have a whole bunch of Christian artists that I really enjoy. So I usually listen to that all day long. Kind of uplifting. Country, yeah, sometimes there's some country in there, sometimes some pop. Depends on my mood. It's like getting <laughs> into summer. So there may be like more pop music now. You know, it's just like you got you to gotta love that stuff. But yeah, yeah, I try to go for positive energy. And it depends on my mood. Sometimes I like things like with more like upbeat, like powerful sort of thing. And sometimes I need a little more chill. Um, but, but in the afternoon when you're tired, definitely the upbeat stuff keeps you going. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Hey, so let's carry this forward a little bit from this standpoint. We've got a lot of people working mobily or, you know, from home, whatever you want to call it. And I think about something that I've come across over the years where it's more about the outcome than it is the time. And 
I'm just curious. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if I come in and I've got three things on my list to get done and those are my major things and I get them done and it's noon, you know, once in a while, and I hate to admit this uh, to those of you that do business with me, but once in a while, that'll be my day. I'll, I'll take the afternoon and I will get myself outside to kind of recharge and, and get my mind straight. So how does that fit in with kind of your, your views of time management? Right. Well, I, I don't think that's wrong or bad. I mean, we want to, I mean, two, two things. I mean, one, we do want to create the incentives for focus. So if we do things like allow ourselves to end early, but right instead, it's kind of like a kid where you say like, hey, if you get your room cleaned, you can go play with their <laughs> Like they're cleaned within like, 10 minutes where it would take them two hours if you're like, just go clean your room. Um, so I think creating the right incentives is not a problem. And I'd rather have people be focused and get the most important things done. And then, you know, go out and enjoy life. That's way better than like procrastinating and doing the same amount of work and more time. Um, the one thing that I would say is that like I, there are, and to be fair, there are definitely some times when I end work a little early, like um, I'm going on a short weekend trip this weekend up north. So I will be uh, leaving the office a little early today. So I'm not saying I never do that. Um, but what I would say is that I generally keep those same hours. Like I would say I work about 40 hours a week. And the reason for that is that a lot of times in our business, if we want to get past not just the urgent, but the urgent and important, when you have those days where maybe you're urgent and important, you can get done by noon. Well, then that afternoon is a great opportunity for some of those important activities, those business development activities that, you know, yeah, sure. They don't need to get done today. They could be done a different day. But if you never prioritize them and put in that time, you're not going to really be building your business. You're just going to be more at that like maintain getting the minimum done level. And very good point. And that brings up kind of my next question then, Elizabeth, is, you know, where's the optimal? Is it, is it better for me to limit my efforts to three things a day versus having 15 on a list, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you become overwhelmed and you almost defeat yourself when you look at that list and nothing's done or only a couple things. So what do you find is the optimal for, for a given day? Yeah. And you know, it really depends on the person and their particular work. So, I mean, if I have a day with coaching calls almost all day, I might just get emailed on and like a few, a few short tasks because I'm on the phone all day. Um, if you have a day that's more open, I would say you can have if you have a very open day, absolutely have, you can have three MITs. Um, so like the most important things you want to get done. Um, but I would say just because a lot of times my days look like about half meetings and then half open that more likely than not, I'm looking at maybe like one or two larger items and then maybe some smaller things around it. So like, for example, today I have quite a few coaching calls. Um, and then, of course, this interview. And then there was time to answer email, do organizing and planning. And then I've got one bigger thing for this afternoon. And then everything else is is little. Uh, so it's really based on what my availability looks like will determine how much I can get done. Good point. 
Good point. Well, listen, it's been such a pleasure and um, there's no stress like having a time management person like yourself on our podcast, uh, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to keep to the schedule. People are always like, oh, I'll be there time. I gotta be there time. I was like, I'm not that judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we appreciate it. But let's say there's somebody that, you know, listens today and they want to learn more about your work, uh, how to reach out to you, or many, many, you know the several books that you have available. What's the best way for them to kind of check out your work and and connect with you? Absolutely. So my website is reallifee.com. So I'll spell that for you. It's R E A L L I F E, and then another E dot com. So E is in Elizabeth at the end, and um. There you'll find info on my one-on-one coaching, group coaching, my free books. You can sign up for my newsletter and the lovely little pop-up that will pop up when you go there. And yeah, that's basically the best way to reach me. And of course, my books are available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And I just really love being a resource to people who are wanting to improve their time management and really wanting to get that work-life balance. So how can they not just get things done, but also be healthy in the process? Well, you've definitely inspired me to kind of get back in the swing of things. So I, I appreciate you being on our call today. Guys, you can get more information, including Elizabeth's website information from our show notes. All you have to do is go to www.epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. That's epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we want to wish you the best. And remember, we're only getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember... We're only getting started.